what's going on to chatters in today's episode i'm going to talk to you about pride and it is pride month so we're celebrating pride across america and across the globe and i wanted to share with you my pride story and my story about my identity and coming out as a person of the queer community as a gay man gay latino and talk to you about identity in the professional space as a gay person and identity in the personal space when it means for somebody because identity is really important in pride at the same time talking about community and how do we build community when we are in in our coming out and learning more about what that looks like and finding community and then also talking about family the family that we have and then our chosen family so much about who we are in the queer community is a family and being able to find and see which of those layers and pillars of the of the LGBTQ plus umbrella we want to um, connect with more closely and build a community of trust and call them our chosen family. So that's what today's episode's about. It's a really long one, so bear with me, but it's really me showing up authentically for you sharing parts of my story. I get a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit teary-eyed, but it's important for me to share and I wanted to do that for Pride and for this month. And I hope you enjoy. Let's dive right into this. Are you struggling to find your purpose in life? Do you feel like something is missing and you need some guidance? Do you often feel unfulfilled with what you're doing on a day-to-day basis? Well, I'm here to tell you, you don't have to feel that way anymore. I'm here to help you through your journey in life to gain clarity, find purpose, and passion. My name is Jose Miguel Longo. I'm a gay Hispanic, a husband, dog daddy, advocate for social justice and DEI, ally for all LGBTQ+, a career and life coach and millennial born in 1983. I have spent my time since the age of 14 working my way around the world of work. I know my God-given talents are to help those around me to gain clarity in their lives while finding their passion and purpose. For the last decade, I've spent my time coaching college students and alums from all three generations, X, Y, and Z, in designing their career stories and mapping what they want to do in their lives. Whether it's gaining clarity in who you are and what you're meant to do, learning to build a resume or write a cover letter, holding you accountable and building your career journey or designing your life. The podcast Coaching for Millennials is a how-to guide for all things career, life, and a sprinkle of everything in between. It is an all-inclusive space for meaningful conversations on topics happening in our world right now. It is a space for people to go on a holistic journey in uncovering their passion and purpose. I'm here for all generations, no matter what you identify as. If you're seeking to transition from a career industry or job to another, or ready to transform your life completely, I got you, boo. Whatever the fantasy you're trying to create, let me make it happen. If you're ready to start the journey to explore your passion and purpose, get focused on gaining clarity to transform you to a place that will fuel you, inspire you, and sprinkle some joy and laughter in between, it's time to dive into Coaching for Millennials. What's going on, Chit Chatters? Welcome to another episode of Coaching for Millennials. Today, I want to talk to you all about Pride Month and what Pride Month means to me and how my identity has been formed as a gay Latino and what that 
journey has looked like for me in the gay community, but also finding my comfort zone, finding my footing as an individual, as a professional, and finding my community. And at the same time, also um, the the family who I call my chosen family. Um, so let's jump right into that. There's you know four things that I shared about. I shared about um, just to kind of start identity, community, chosen family, and me, myself, and I. <laughs> um, so let's start with happy Pride. I am excited every time I know Pride Month is coming, and I think anybody in the LGBTQ plus community um, can attest to that, mostly because we as a community, as people, have been put into these pockets of not feeling welcomed or in a place where we feel like we belong or a place where our identities can be self-actualized and we've lived um, for some time in the closet, whether it's your own coming out story um, and you kind of came out early on or you came out later in life. And I think what I'm excited for this particular pride is that I actually have a platform where I can share more about that and I feel so much more comfortable sharing about that, about my story and what pride means to me as a as a gay male and as a Latino and how I can relate to some of the other people in my um, in my groups and my community and the people that I can, you know, that I call my family. So I'll start with like my coming out story. Um being gay and growing up in a Latin, you know, Hispanic, Dominican, my family's Dominican, um, primarily Dominican household was challenging. And, you know, when I was younger, I didn't know that I was gay. I had ideas of being different and knowing that I was different and not really understanding why I was different. I also had lots of feelings that were not related to women that were related to being with a man and going through puberty and having that evolution happen as a kid, as a young adolescent, you have no idea what's going on. You feel so alone and isolated because you don't know who to talk to. So even though I may have, I mean, even though I had um, ideas and thoughts around being with a, with a man, I had the same ideas and thoughts about being with the women and it felt more natural, the idea about being with a man, than it did to be with a woman. But I was always taught that men don't cry. Los hombres no lloran. Um, I wasn't allowed to show or share emotion. My family, we didn't talk a lot about our feelings. And we didn't, give an, we didn't have an opportunity to really share. Um, you know, in my household, I was my grandmother's favorite my mom's mom and my brother was my dad's favorite actually my my sister was my dad's favorite and my brother was my mom's favorite so our family was not one of those I'm not going to say traditional but one of those families where you found people or you found parents where they loved all their kids equally that didn't happen in my house and I had a really like really strong love-hate relationship with both my parents um, from a very, very young age. And it was a very tumultuous household growing up. 
you know, in, in the community that I lived in, we were very diverse and everybody looked out for everybody and everyone knew everybody and everyone knew everyone's business. And if one kid was getting disciplined, you heard it across the street. And if the other kid was getting disciplined, the parents all called each other to find out what happened, why. So it was like a really, um, I'm going to say inclusive community because we all the parents and families worked together to keep the kids saved, safe. And I enjoyed growing up Jacksonville Road um, in Queens, New York. Um, I enjoyed growing up in that environment because I felt like I can leave my house and go three or four blocks down the road and still feel like I was safe. Um, and even going into New York, growing up in the 90s, going when I say New York, meaning going into New York City, I still felt safe because I was given the opportunity to explore at a very young age. And so seeing men with men and women with women openly out in Manhattan, in New York City, gave me a sense of like, oh, that could be me, but I don't know. And I always had this fear in my gut that if I ever did anything like that, that my parents would kill me. Uh, and then they would disown me. And disown me, I would use now, but back then I didn't know. And, you know, when I was roaming New York City, I say roaming because let's just say gallivanting. Um, New York City, when I was 11, 12, 15, 16, 17 years old, I was exposed to that. And I felt, and I think about it now, and I feel so blessed to have had that experience, to not have lived a sheltered life and to live a life where I didn't get to see that because I think it really formed in my head the secret identity that I was holding into that I probably truly knew myself better than what I wanted to admit. And I think that a lot of people, and I don't want to make assumptions, but I feel like I've spoken to enough people in the gay community, um, or I should just say LGBTQ plus community, that have had their adolescence and lived it basically in fear of potentially exposing who they really are. And I think for me, not really knowing who I was and what I what I really am and who I wanted to be was such a clusterfuck because you're already going through all these crazy emotions, going through puberty and not really sure if it's okay to think about uh, another man or if it's okay to think about a woman. And you see that in your environment men are with women and women are with men. But when you don't see what you think you feel, it makes it harder to say, is that okay? And when your own culture doesn't accept that, it makes it even harder. You know, my brother was that kid, that boy, that my father always wanted. He played sports and he was very active and my dad played baseball with him and they went to baseball games together and they just had a very different relationship when we were kids growing up and my my mom was always super supportive of my brother's journey and whatever he wanted to do and what he wanted to explore i'll preface that i have no ill um feelings towards my brother like we were very different individuals i adore my brother we have a super close relationship and he's one of my best friends. And 
I'm super, super close to him. But growing up, it was really hard for me. And I think that he's realized that now as an adult that it was super challenging. Um, and, you know, my sister, who <laughs> I feel terrible because we were little assholes to her. We used to bully her so much. But back then, bullying wasn't what it's like today. And we were just being brothers and sisters picking on each other um, in, in the worst way possible. But when you think about it now in the grand scheme of things, back then, today it would be called bullying. And I feel terrible because I think my sister would have been a different person if she was alive today. If we weren't such hard asses with her. But I think it also made her stronger being the only girl with two older brothers and being the one who had really thick skin above both of us, really. She was always the one at school who would probably got into a fight and would get suspended. Um, where you would think in a normal situation, the boys would be the ones that would get into fights. I was too scared to get into a fight. Um, I got into lots of fights with my parents, but never did anything wrong in school. I also felt like school was safe for me. And in a weird way, because I didn't... I got bullied for being fat, but I didn't get bullied for being gay. And the bullying for being gay didn't come until later because I ultimately started to become the the person as opposed to being six, seven, eight years old. I grew up really chunky and chubby and overweight and obese. So that bullying was very different. And I think part of the bullying that we did to my sister was also my brother and I, um, using our feelings as an outlet because we got picked on. And my brother was actually, when he hit puberty, he actually got skinny. And my sister didn't and I didn't. So it was also weird to see that. But he was also super active too. So anyway, you know, my my family environment, my family dynamics made it really hard for me as a young man, a young adolescent to really think about anything associated to wanting to be who I am today, or even the possibility of what that could look like. So for anybody who's listening to this podcast, and for anybody who's listening to this, if you're in a place in your life where you're questioning your identity, and you're questioning who you are and the person you think you can be, I want to say that it gets better, and that you should never give up on yourself, and that you should never... Um, allow yourself to think anything different about who you are, you should definitely question those parts about yourself so that you can explore them. Do not not explore them. I think it's, it's as long as you're in a safe space too, that's, that's really important. I think we're humans and we're humans for a reason. And our, our brains are intended to help mold us into becoming the best versions of ourselves. But we also have to trust our gut and we have to trust our heart. And being able to acknowledge when is the best time to experience that. So if you feel comfortable and safe in exploring the parts of your identity that you are wanting to explore, do it. I didn't get to do that until I was much older. And growing up in New York, I thought I would probably be able to have the opportunity to do that, but it didn't come until later. Um, and there was parts about myself that I was very dishonest with myself about. I was in so denial so denial because I think back about how I would think how I used to think about things and you know one of my really good friends growing up who is also gay um we were super close and would have sleepovers and 
I never, like, to me, it never occurred that we're both gay. And we never even talked about that. And there was never anything that we had conversations about. We're just two kids who loved hanging out, rollerblading, riding bikes. Um, We would go on vacations together. And it was just my buddy. You know, that was who my, my best friend was and the person I connected to. And even then, I never even thought about it, which is interesting. And I also didn't even know what, what, what gay was. Like, they didn't talk to you about it when you were in school. Like, you took sex ed because you had to learn how to put a condom on a banana. Or you knew you had to learn how to use protection. But they didn't tell you about how to explore your sexuality. There was never anything about identity or gender identity talked about in school. And this is like the 90s you know, 94 through 97. So at that point in, you know, sexual education or education period, there just wasn't that exposure to it. I think they they might talk about it in school today, Um, maybe, hopefully. Um, But, you know, looking ahead, I feel like the person I am today wouldn't have happened if... I didn't experience what I went through as a kid, which is why I said to anybody out there who is in this place of you're unsure of your identity, it's really important to explore it. Now, what I'll also add to that part about identity is that I didn't really come out until I was about 22, 23. And I had some sexual encounters early on that made me feel believe like I was gay but I didn't truly think that I was because I also love women and for me it was never about the gender specifically it was more about the person and I know that pansexual is a term that's used today but when I was growing up it didn't exist so I didn't identify as pansexual and I didn't even identify as gay because I didn't want to say that I was scared of the word of who I am and what I became Um, And I felt like even still then, I know that it's a lot easier coming out and being gay in today's world, but I just didn't feel safe saying saying it. Um, So when when I did come out, I came out as bi. And it felt safe to say bi because, you know, I didn't, I was stuck in the middle of the two and I wasn't um, committing to the identity of one or the other. I felt like I was still exploring the parts about myself that could have been gay and the parts about myself that could have been straight. But I also didn't strongly feel like I was 100% straight because of the feelings and thoughts that I had about being gay. And I think when we talk about pride, a lot of the identity that comes with that is celebrating who we are and the identities that we've formed and being comfortable and happy with owning the person that is is in front of you when you look in the mirror and being comfortable in owning the skin that you're in and what you look like and the diversity of others and who they are and what they represent and having the space in the community where you can have the conversations. I feel like going into the next decade of my life, I'm 38 today, but I'm so much more comfortable when it's taken me such a long journey to get to this place. Whereas even eight years ago, I don't think I could ever have this conversation that I'm having with you today. Because I still felt like a part of me, 
not that I didn't know that I was gay or not that I didn't know that I am gay. It was more about like I was too scared to speak and I didn't feel comfortable speaking. And I didn't have the confidence to speak. And the more I found myself and the more I started to hear my voice and see that I could actually be a leader and set an example for others and that I was giving people an opportunity to share their experiences, it became evident that I couldn't just keep back from who I was. I had to allow myself to be open to it and open to having the conversations. Now, that's my personal journey, right? I And, and I'll share that when I finally came out as gay, it was not the same experience. So my coming out story to my family was very different than my coming out story to my closest friends at the time. Still friends today, but not as close as they used to be. We obviously grown, got married, have kids. Um, my mom, I'll never forget this. Mind you, this is what I said I was bi. I didn't even say that I was gay. My mom lost her shit. And my mom kicked me out of the house and she said, you need to leave. And until you actually leave, you need to clean every single bathroom with bleach. And you have to make sure that after you shower, you scrub the tub and you scrub the shower. And you are not allowed to bring anybody here. Um, you're not allowed to stay past, you're not allowed to stay out past a certain time. It just became like World War III in a war zone that I never ever expected. Like it came out of nowhere. My mom was the person where, that I remember going up always telling me about her gay friends and these friendships she had. I'll also preface that I never met any of these gay friends that she claimed to have. But I thought that if I said I was bi, it was safe. And that it would give me more time to explore the person who I am today um, as a gay male. And so that was really bad. Because I I didn't... I never, never saw it coming. And my dad, who is this very machista you know, Dominican parent, he's not educated. He only knows what he knows from his family, his kids. He's not someone who pays attention to any of the stuff, but he knows it's there. So he's not blind, but, you know, he's he can be really ignorant until you tell him, okay? And he was the one who actually was like, well, you can't pick what you can't pick. Yeah, wait, he's like, you have to pick one. You can't be both. And I said, really? I'm like, I just did not see that. Like, that was a turning point for my relationship with my dad. Because even though he was trying to get me to pick an identity, I still felt supported by him. And I think that when we talk about pride, we look for communities where we can be supported and feel seen and feel heard. And I've never really shared my coming out story um, openly i've shared it to friends right and to you know small community spaces that i'm active in and to young adolescents who may potentially need help and advice as a youth mentor but i'm taking a sip of water bear with me here but at that point in my life and at that moment i saw my dad with such a different lens and i ultimately had a whole new perspective on how my relationship with my dad could be so much better. We had, like I said, you know, in the 90s, it was okay to be your kids. 
well, maybe it's never been okay to be your kids, but we got disciplined really hard. The belt, the broom, the chancleta. I'm, I mean, there's so many things I can name. I'm not going to, but you get the gist. You just grew up in a culture where you respected your elders and you were disciplined for doing something wrong and you knew you did something wrong and you knew immediately after doing something wrong, something was going to happen. So with my father, the problem that I really had with him was that I would get disciplined for things that I never did. And it was just a very unfair childhood. And I, I know that this sounds weird, but I hated my dad for being such a douchebag and beating me and abusing me. You know, I I would be out with my friends and I'd come home and I would get punished and beaten because of something my brother and my sister did. Well, because I was the oldest, I would get in trouble. Why weren't you there? Why didn't you watch them? Why didn't you do this? And it was so much pressure to like feel like, okay, I have no idea. Like, am I ever going to do something right I'm always doing something wrong. And when I ask, what did I do? Or when I ask why, it was like, don't ever dare question what's happening. So I don't want to make this about that experience, but just I have to kind of preface where where I'm coming from. So, you know, shifting gears, being 21, 22 years old and having had so much of that from the time that I was probably seven, eight years old, all the way up until I was 13 was really hard. That's a long time to go through that level of abuse. And then to come full circle and realize, wow, this person actually cares. And I think that for me, hearing that from him and being supported in a way that I never thought he would really allowed me to feel safe, even though I wasn't safe. Um, Because my mom is crazy. My mom was just one of those people who... I've never been able to have a really good relationship with. And it really made it harder for me to try and piece together, you know, the person that I was becoming as an adult. And even at 21, 22 years old, I was not an adult. Just because I was of age, I didn't know shit. I was making the biggest mistakes in my life and trying to figure out not just who I was, you know, um, gender and sexuality, but as a, as a human being in my head, trying to mold my values and what I stand for and believe in. And I didn't really figure that out until I was in my late, late 20s, like probably 27, 28 years old, when I finally started to like come to the person who I am today, self-actualized, um, even going through so many ups and downs, the, you know, the weird relationships of being with both genders and also me defining the type of person I wanted to be and who I wanted to become and what I wanted to do in my life and my career. Now, the story has a big turn when it comes to um, professional because even though I was out to my friends and my family as bi and I didn't fully fledge own the gay thing until probably I was about 27. Um, but, you know, that, that whole piece professionally was really hard. And when I first actually openly said that I was gay at work, I was after having a really bad experience working for someone who I felt didn't really trust me and who I felt I made them very uncomfortable just because of my mannerisms. I never told this person that I was gay. I never told this person 
um, anything about my personal life, very, very little pieces of my personal life I ever shared with this person. There were my supervisor, and it was a strict work relationship. But I looked up to this person because they taught me so much about the profession, the work that I do, and they played a huge role in my identity in work. But as a person like starting to find myself, and as a person starting to identify who I am as as an individual, it was hard to not be able to share that part about myself at work because I spend so much time at work. And the last thing I wanted to do was make somebody else feel uncomfortable when I knew they already felt uncomfortable being in my presence. I didn't feel comfortable or safe coming out at work because I didn't know how people were going to react. Um, it wasn't until after I left that job, and I didn't leave that job for that reason. I left that job because there was a new opportunity that, that presented itself, and it was a great opportunity. And you know, I, I made so many great still relationships today with the people that I worked with there, and I adore them. And even still that person, I, it wasn't until years later that I was able to say, hey, so, you know, I'm gay. And, you know, I don't know what impact it had on that person, even after the fact. Um, but I think about it, and I just ultimately feel like I don't ever want, I never want to be in an environment where I can't be who I am. And I know that's hard to say when there's still places that are not very inclusive and welcoming to LGBTQ. And if you're someone who that's a hard no for you to be able to be out at work, like you have to be out and you can't hide that part of yourself. I totally get it. And I'm happy to talk about how you can mitigate that situation because I spent many years in my work life and my career holding out on that. But at the same time, I think it's such a different journey. Everybody has a different experience and everybody has an experience and a journey that they should have the ability to share with and have a community to talk to about it. Professionally, I think that after I was open and I started to share that with people, it actually improved my working relationships with people because they didn't look at me as gay they just looked at me as who I was but I think in the layers of it all part of it was me too being able to feel comfortable in my own skin and being able to just see more about this person who I am and what I wanted to be and making sure that the people around me were safe and meaning me feeling safe around them it's always been about that and who can I trust which is hard because I have had a lot of trust issues um, so that kind of checks off the identity piece, but there's so much I can talk to about identity specifically that I can go into so many details. So there's always this mindset around people who are really inclusive and open to being out at work and people who are scared to death to coming out at work. And... How I feel about that is ultimately you have to be the person who is open to sharing that with the people you can trust in a community that has your back and people who are your allies and finding out which of the individuals in whether your workplace, sorry, I'm opening up a can of seltzer to refresh myself, um, 
people in the workplace who are your allies that can provide you with support and are there to be um, with you through challenging conversations and maybe joining an affinity group of sorts that will support you in your um, coming out at work. I know a lot of organizations and businesses have like out at work day for just giving people the space who are in the LGBTQ plus community to share their coming out stories so that the other people and other folks who may not feel 100% comfortable in their journey, that they feel like they have a space in a community of allyship. I think for me, my biggest reason for being out at work is just because I feel better of who I am and I feel more confident in being able to carry that with me and in being able to share that. But also at the same time, I felt like if I know that I have the ability to do this and have an impact, that I know it could help somebody else. And I've always been about that in my in my messaging in being an ally and being able to be out for people. One of the things that I've experienced in my journey as a professional is not always feeling like I belong someplace. And I've worked at some places where there, I'm the only person of color or the only gay person and there aren't many people who look like me or the people that I can connect with. So there's nothing worse than not feeling like you have people around you that you can talk to, but you want to be really cautious and careful to making sure that you are in a safe space and place to share a, share those parts of yourself that you may feel like you want to share. And when it comes to your professional identity or your personal identity and that what that represents, you want to guard that. You want to make that, you know, sacred to you and, you know, sharing it only with people who you ultimately feel like, again, are people who you can trust and aren't going to out you because that's always challenging. I've had people who think that it's okay because it's okay to be gay now, that it's okay to share someone else's story. And that never sits well with anybody, but it's always harder to tell a person who you think you trust that I'm not cool with you sharing um, that I'm gay or that I'm queer or whatever you identify with. So I know that's a lot to really unpack with the two, the identity of the professional, the identity of the personal. The other thing I think is really important is that when we talk about pride, this month is also about celebrating those who came before us that have sacrificed their themselves and their their own personal journeys to fight for the same rights that we have today. And there's still so much of a fight to go through, as you know, with rights for not just LGBTQ, but really the trans community has such a long journey and they were the first ones to stand up for having a community and a space and I think that anybody who has or who is seeking a community I should say you want to find um, an organization that you can donate your time that can really use you as as a person to support others but also that may help you be Become a better version of yourself in your journey and defining how you can help your community. I know that for me, when I was in my 20s, I surrounded myself around people who were older than me 
who I felt had a lot of wisdom and knowledge. And I wanted to learn more about their experiences with other individuals who identified as LGBTQ and who ultimately had been impacted by it. The people who I knew, um, or who I know, I should say, not knew, they had so many friends and close ones who passed with the AIDS virus, which was raging in the early 80s and 90s. And it's better now, it still exists, but we have science and we have medicine. But the reality of it is, is that not only for generations has there been a fight for social um, equity and for equal rights as humans, but there's also been a fight for medical assistance and support and resources for LGBTQ people. And, you know, there's still some states where it's not legal, like you can legally get um, fired for being gay and for being of any of the LGBTQ um, identities. Like, to think that we're in 2020 when you live in the United States of America, that that is still okay, it is in sense. I would encourage people who want to actually be active in having a voice and sharing a story or just being an activist or just being an ally to go to hrc.org, the Human Rights Campaign. Um, there are so many other organizations i just think that the hrc has always been on the fight for equality um they were you know trailblazers when it came to fighting for marriage equality and assuring that we as a community have the same rights as heterosexual people in being able to get married and having the ability to love who we love i remember in 2010 when um, the Obamas were in office and they announced the federal law passing that anyone, whether, you know, regardless of your gender or your sex, um, that we can get married and we were safe to get married. And you had a bunch of states that were trying to, you know, ban that and prevent it from happening, not approving marriage licenses. It was, it became a, such a big thing. And to see that happen, I think also back to just the simple rights of being able to be out and, you know, being able to share that story. I think a lot of people would still probably be in the closet if they weren't willing to contribute to the journey and contribute so that those that are coming after them can have a better quality of life as an identifying LGBTQ member. Community is so important. You know, we may not always have our our family who is is not our chosen family, right? Our meaning our parents to have be supported by as an LGBTQ. And I felt like for me when I think about that, I I don't I don't really ever think that my mom ever accepted it. Um and my dad only accepted it because I think he felt like he had no choice. When I got married a couple years ago, um, my dad came to the wedding. My mom did not come to the wedding. And my dad seemed so out of his element and almost like he just didn't know what to do. But I had the most touching emotional moment with my dad the day after my wedding 
just talking about him and you know it was like the first time my dad said I'm proud of you he said and I really like I cried and he cried and it was just an emotional time to really see how my dad has come such a long ways and accepting me as his son and being able to see that I love someone and I'm truly connected to someone who cares for me and really is taking care of me emotionally and immensely and physically and all those things that's hard to come by um and any and whether you're gay or straight or not whatever you identify with but I think for him it was like a point of like he saw that I was happy and he's always just wanted that no matter how the journey came out to be that was truly touching um to be able to to see my dad accept that um and I and I think for me I I it was never about my parents accepting me I have to preface that for me personally I felt when I came into my own in my 30s proud of who I am and I owned my identity as a gay Hispanic even my latino my dominican culture I didn't even own when I was younger in my 20s because of how crazy my family can be and all of the stereotypes and biases that we have as a culture anybody who's listening to this that is Hispanic or Dominican, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Go on Instagram and watch all the memes about Dominicans. They're so true. And I laugh at them every single time because that was my childhood, living and breathing. But today, I own so much of being a Latino and being a Hispanic gay male. I don't want any of the adolescents out there that think that because they're brown and black and caramel and every single color that they can't be who they want to be and that they feel like they have to hide themselves because their culture doesn't accept them. It's still hard in black and brown communities in African-American communities and in Hispanic communities to come out. And I know it's probably the same in white communities, but what the disadvantage that we have in um, the BIPOC community is that it, our families have such a different upbringing and the fights that we've had to fight for being accepted and included is a lot harder when you add that additional layer to an already hard identity. When, when, you, when you see a person of color and then you add, like they're already marginalized, right? Then you add this other layer of like additional marginalization. Now you're a double minority. Oh shit. It just makes it that much harder. I don't think anybody of those communities' parents want those people, their kids, to suffer and go through any more heartache or challenges of having to just live in the world as it is. The one thing I also think that's really important is, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement was a huge deal in 2020. And it became the modern civil rights movement of of our generation. And... I think that when we look at the queer culture, that has had such a huge impact because we see so many younger voices coming to the table, fighting not just for the civil rights and respect of just being a human being, regardless of the color of your skin, but also if you are a queer member who is part of a marginalized group in society, you want to be heard and seen 
just like your count your white counterparts. It's so hard to have conversations with people who I'm I adore and super close with, but don't understand that being a person of color and being gay is such a you know it's like it's like a double-edged sword in a weird way it just it's i think it's harder for me to explain it than it is for someone who has experienced a lot more of perhaps the systemic um injustice that our our you know our our government and our our world has i i think ultimately anybody who is in a marginalized group whether queer or a person of color, just wants to be heard and wants to be seen. And I think with looking for a community, you have to, if you can't find one, I probably should say that, you have to look for a way of creating your own. I think for me, it's still hard to find a community. Um, Yeah, that's, I have really good gay friends and I have really good, group of guy friends but i i don't know i feel disconnected to them sometimes i think sometimes it's clicky and it's not a hundred percent you know me or sometimes they don't include um me so it's it's just always weird like where do you find your own community for me it's been a line like i have to be honest what if there's anything that i've learned about the pandemic has been finding people in way in places that I never thought I would find them and finding people to connect with in ways that I never thought I would be connecting with. This platform, like the podcast, has allowed me to create a community for myself and create a community for others, which I'm super proud of. But I've also had the opportunity to connect with some amazing LGBTQ advocates and allies through this journey and when I, what I'm really getting at is I also want to just create awareness around this, around the topic of community because when we don't have our families, we want to f- be in a place where we can feel like we belong and we feel supported and feel heard and seen. So I'm here for anybody who ultimately feels like they don't have a place where they can be heard and seen who ultimately feels like they don't have um, people they can trust and they don't have people they can connect with or people that look like them. Uh, and I, to me, that's super important is being able to do that for others. I spent a lot of time feeling alone um, as I was growing up and being lonely. And, you know, there's so much more to my story that I'm not sharing, but I feel like I wanted to share the important parts that were specific to um, pride and what pride really is. And I think everyone has a definition of what pride means to them. For me, it's about the identity that I get to live and the opportunity that I have because of those that came before me that fought for, for the rights that we have currently. And for me being able to be here as an advocate, as an ally, and continue to advocate for the rights for inclusion and equity in not just the workplace, but also in our world around us. I feel like I have this platform that I need to use for that good. And when Pride Month comes along, I'm promising myself to continue to do this work and speaking out and participating 
in all the spaces that I can to share the inclusive conversations, to share my story and create a community for people to connect with. I want to invite every person who listens to this episode to reach out to me through LinkedIn or to reach out to me through Instagram or Facebook Messenger, wherever you find um, your best outlet to connect, please do so because I'm here for anybody. And if you think that this episode may resonate with someone who needs to hear about the journey about pride and being able to know what pride can mean for them, please share it with them. I really think that the intention of celebration and spirit and love and unity really comes through in this month. And the part for me is that I don't think pride needs to end just because June is over, right? I know it's only the the seventh day of June, but I think that it's important that we continue to acknowledge this continuously throughout the rest of the year. I know it's really easy to get caught up on months or days that are celebrated, but I really want to make sure that as a podcaster, as a life and career coach, that anybody who really wants to connect with someone that can see them, I'm here for that. I think that's one of the biggest things that I also talk about in the podcast as a whole is that I'm here for anybody who is looking to be heard and seen. It's in the intro if you listen to it. Um, Chosen family. So I talked about community, right? So the chosen family is the people who become your family when either you don't have a family or you don't feel like you can connect with your family or you do have your family, but you're just not super close. Or maybe you are super close with your family, but you have a family of people who look and see like, who look like you and can really connect with you. Um, and when I say look, I mean everything. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm over explaining so many things, but I never know who's listening. So I feel like I have to take that extra step to explain. So some parts of this conversation may not sound as organic as they want as I want them to be. And I apologize for that. I'm just trying to make sure that if there's something that I'm saying that is explained the way that it should be so that people can hear it and connect to it. So I apologize for that. But when it comes to chosen family, these are the people who will become your best friends. And I have such a great friend group in Long Island where I spent a lot of time for a few years um, when I went back to New York. But these are people who I knew before going back to New York and they're my chosen family. I love some of the guys that I spend time with down there. They're like, literally, they hold such a special place in my heart. They came to my wedding. And even though sometimes it feel like so much time has gone by and I haven't seen them or talked to them, we pick up right where we left off. That's really your idea of a chosen family. I have one of my bestest friends, actually two of them, um, who, for better or for worse, they have been my rocks and they have never, ever, ever flinched an eye at any of my stories and we have such a great relationship um and they've been there since i was a kid like we've been besties since we were childhood friends um so those are your that's your chosen family um and and family doesn't always have to be about blood i think people make that assumption and I say this often, family is an F word for a reason. It's not my saying, but I say it because it really resonates with me. Um, 
I think often we are given our family because we're brought into this world to connect with people and obviously to create a, a version of ourselves that is immersed with a culture. But as we evolve as, as individuals, as humans, we become the version that we are, I should say the version that we wanna be and the version that ultimately sounds best for us. I think that when we find out who we are, and I think that also the other part to this is that there's so much fluidity behind being queer, right? I talked about being non-binary earlier, and I didn't I don't use that term because I didn't grow up with the term, but in some cases I it's never really about the gender for me, it's more about um the person. So you know, connecting to my pronouns, I use he, him, they, um, because I don't always feel like I'm male or female, but I'm not, I'm not trans and I'm not androgynous. I'm not, I just think for me, it's more about like being the person that I am and not putting an identity to it. I know that sounds really weird, but there's, it's hard for those individuals who are trying to figure out their identity and trying to figure out where they belong and who they should connect to and where they need to be and seeing where their culture is and seeing who their community is and seeing what chosen family they belong to. Um, so I, it, this may sound really weird, but I feel as though the younger generation has created so much more fluidity behind the culture that is LGBTQ. And by that meaning like all of the terminology that's used today to describe someone who may not feel like today they like men or may not feel like today they like women. And I'm proud of that because I remember in my identity um, and learning about my identity and deforming my identity I had no idea. I felt days of the same thing. I'm like, well, I don't, I don't care. I think that person's good looking. I think that person's hot. And mind you, it's not always about like looking at a person and finding them attractive or looking at a person and wanting to be with that person in any way. It's more just about like, who do you feel connected to? And what do you gravitate towards? And when you spend a lot of time being alone, you want to be able to connect with people who you can trust. And sometimes it's harder, depending on how you feel, with which gender of a person you feel like you can connect to. Growing up, I didn't have a lot of male friends. And the very little male friends that I had, I never came out to them until I was older. And I still only have very few straight, hetero male friends. Um, probably could count them all on one hand, to be quite honest. But I've always had amazing girlfriends, and I've always had my 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 little team of of she power that has always been supportive. And these are hetero women. Um, and then there's my gays, you know, my whole group, my gay group of guys that I've created this long lasting relationships with that I I'm happy and proud to call my family. So I know this has gone into like. A rabbit hole of a conversation 
I really wanted to make sure that I celebrated my identity and my queerness and talked about what it's like to identify your professional and personal identity and ways that you can determine if it's safe for you and feel like you are welcomed and included in different spaces, both professionally and personally. I also wanted to talk about community because I feel like Pride is about community. It's about people sharing their identities and finding the communities where they can belong to, but it's also about celebrating the communities that were built before us, the people that are here today, and celebrating those that fought for our rights that are, we have right now. And then also, in addition to that, is the family thing. I think family, to me, is important. And one of the things about my journey that I've learned to become more aware about is even though I have a stepson who has grown and, you know, my husband and I adopted him even though he was a grown man... That's still part of my family unit, even though I don't think about it every single day. Even though my own family unit is like my husband and my two dogs, that's still a family unit. And it's up for, it's up to you to define who your family is and how you want to label that. And then also going back to your chosen family too. So having said all that, I wish everybody a happy and safe Pride Month. Um, if you have any questions about inclusion or equity, diversity, um, LGBTQ rights, or anything that you may want to talk about, please hit me up. I love having conversations outside of the podcast. And I know that the podcast has been a little bit in a roller coaster right now. But trust me, it's coming back full-fledged <laughs> very slowly. But it's, it's coming back. Um, and I didn't want to go throughout the month of June and not having a Pride exclusive episode because as a millennial, it is really important to show up for people. And I think that this generation, Gen Zs and millennials, has made so many strides to not just remind our world of what we're capable of doing, but also to remember those that came before us. So... I love you all. Thank you so much for always listening and being part of the show. And please, please, please reach out, DM me, connect with me on Instagram, LinkedIn, wherever you are connected. And I can't wait for the next one. Have an amazing day and happy Pride, friends. Hey, Chit Chatter. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. If you found value in today's episode, be sure to share it with the world. We welcome everyone for listening. And if you'd like, please go on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Those reviews mean everything to me and they help the show grow, as well as for me to know what topics you want to hear from next. Be sure to go visit to coachingwithjoseandmiguel.com or Coaching for Millennials for more up-to-date content, newsletters, blogs, information about coaching for life and career. Thank you so much for being a part of our magical world and for being part of this program. I can't wait to the next episode.